Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. We both know that marriage is hard. Yes. All kinds of books have been written to help couples have a mutually satisfying marriage when it seems very few couples actually are able to attain that for a very long period of time. We have in our lending library out here uh, several books on marriage. Uh, So many out there, but I'll tell you, there is one author who I've greatly appreciated years ago before I ever knew him or met him. I was recommending his book that came out, I think, what, 14 years ago or so, I guess. And it's called, actually I have a copy here. This is not my first copy because I gave it away, my first copy. But this is a copy I have that I have several highlights through. Mm-hmm. When Sinners Say I Do. What a great title. Discovering the Power of the Gospel for Marriage. Since then, he's come out with a couple other books on marriage. I Still Do. And then the... The Devotional. Then the I Still Do Devotional, which I have not read I Still Do, but Lacey and I are actually working through the devotional. It's been by our bedside. We're probably doing that out of order. But his name is Dave Harvey. And I've also... I'd like to say become friends with Dave. He is the president of our network of churches, the Great Commission Collective. So I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last few years here, and he is our guest. He's on the phone right now. Dave, welcome to Sound of Truth. Right. Rick, great to be with you. And Dave is married to Kim. How long have you been married? 38 years. 38 years. Has four grown kids. Has, did you say six grandkids? Six or eight? Yeah, six. That's right. Yeah, so grew up in Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. Then I guess you could say immigrated over to the east of the Philadelphia area, spent several years in that area, if I remember correctly. You pastored and then got involved in kind of network leadership, and then you came to the GCC. Anything you want to fill in the blanks there for us, Dave, before we launch into our topic? (laughs) That's probably a good summary. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Well, um, we have invited Dave on the program since he's written— uh, and done such a great job of communicating what is vital in marriage. We wanted to bring him on the program and for our congregation and for all our other listeners as well. We want to engage Dave in dialogue about the subject of marriage. Mm-hmm. And before we do that, though, we want to do what we have done with our previous guests is, is we most importantly is that a person has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through right. faith. And so we've been asking our guests to share with us their testimony. So, Dave, would you go ahead and uh, share with us a little bit about how you came to faith in Jesus Christ? Sure. I, I love the fact that you guys start with this question. That's that's awesome. So raised in the Presbyterian Church, decided early in my life that I thought Christianity was plastic, God was untouchable, spent my high school, just high school years just having fun you know, kind of as a jock, partying. My, my whole orientation to to God or the things of God was kind of like, well, sh- sure, there's a God, but what does that have to do with me? So went off to college, and uh, I, I remember going off to college so distinctly, just kind of longing for the freedom to live an entirely unaccountable life. Mm. And, and by and large, found it at college. Um, and so uh, the partying became more chronic. And honestly, when I think about myself back then, I, I think my life was just 
kind of a self-celebration. Most of the contexts or relationships I think that I was in were basically opportunities for me to advertise myself in some way. But it was sports, girls, conversations. I think that, you know, I, I just had this hunger for approval and my mind processed most data with how it affected me or or, or maybe how it entertained me. So, so sin created this fierce attraction to and passion for myself. But somewhere in there, by the grace of God, this kind of alien thought, this idea that was completely outside of me, began to creep into my mind <clears throat> that, you know what, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than this rampant self-focus, self-obsession, self-worship that I seem to be under. And I uh, had two experiences during that time in college. My first was my college roommate was paved. Now, this guy was the biggest dope head on campus. And I, I, I rarely saw him when he wasn't stoned. And I knew him very well because we had grown up together. And I observed with like a front row seat how the gospel grabbed him and absolutely transformed him. And I had a ringside seat to that. So I remember thinking like, wow, now that's amazing. And there must be substance to this. Right. Uh, and then the second encounter was just with a campus preacher with the, that was there that I was listening to one day. And he wheeled around in the middle of his sermon. And he pointed at me and he just said, are you saved? And I just kind of put my hand up and waved both ways and said, you know, a little bit wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so somewhere in that period of time, the Spirit of God showed me what it meant that my my sin had created this impenetrable divide between God and me, and uh, that that Christ died for my sins. God was holy. I was a sinner. That problem was solved in Jesus Christ. He became the substitute for my sins, and I was converted and trusted Christ. And that was somewhere around 1979, 1980. Mm, great. So we have Baptist theology here at Harvest Jacksonville. You said you grew up Presbyterian. At that point, were you were you baptized with believer's baptism, or what happened next for you? No, I was baptized as a baby, and then I was I was after I was converted, I was I was baptized as a believer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I knew I was converted because what happened, Brett, was was there was something that penetrated all the way down to the level of my desires. It was like my desires mm-hmm. were converted. Mm-hmm. I remember this compelling need to, to, to know God, to please God, to want to pursue God. I remember reading like the Gospels for the first time and just seeing in them the holiness of Jesus, the love, the miracles, the kindness. And it was, it was entrancing. It was a sense where Christ was, was becoming glorious to me, and I was learning how to love him. And that's part of how I knew something was different. Like something, something significant had happened to me because there was a there was a change that penetrated very deep in my heart. Mm, I love the way you put that. Your desires changed. I've mm-hmm. often told people through the years. Uh, one of the ways I knew I was saved was my want to changed. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I was mm-hmm. wanting to do different things. It, it was a, a sign that my heart had been changed. So, and another fascinating detail on your conversion story is Rick. Uh, a significant uh, aspect. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Story is yeah. is uh, a campus preacher. I was going to I was going to ask you about that. Was this like a, a a campus preacher like on a on a on a near a, from a church nearby, or was this like a traveling preacher who would just go to different campuses and bring? bring yeah, he was a tra- he was a traveling preacher that would travel through 
Pennsylvania and Maryland and show up a couple of times a year. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, he would, he would stir things up and he, he certainly stirred things up for me. That's funny. I want to start getting that. the physical description. See if this is the same gonna, guy. I was gonna say it's funny that you say stir things up. That's very a, a very tame way of of describing the same exact experience I had. Campus preacher coming on the the campus and just bringing fire and brimstone along with him, and uh, you know, very similar to you in in terms of kind of being faced with you know the question of is there really a God and. and you know, at least from this preacher's perspective, there is a God. Not only is there a God, he is a holy God, and he's ready and willing to to judge. Uh, and that was really what kind of woke me up. My my first question was, man, if he's right, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no idea whether this guy was, was orthodox or even what he was preaching. I, I, I think what became significant about it, though, was when I did that with my hand, Somebody mm. came up to me and said, hey, what does that mean exactly? And I began to engage them, mm. and they invited me to a meeting. And, uh, and then I began going to these Christian meetings, and somewhere in there, you know, the, the Spirit of God just acted upon me. Wow. So that became, that became the entree uh, into the Christian community. Thanks for sharing your testimony, Dave. Uh, I assume, had you already met Kim at this point? No, I hadn't met her yet. Okay, so you met her later on, and she was already a believer? No, she was not a believer. Okay, mm. interesting. I, I, was, I was converted first, and, mm. uh, and she was converted uh, probably about 18 months later. Okay. And we, we met shortly before she was converted, and then she was converted in, uh, in the ministry, in the campus ministry that I became a part of, and we got to know one another through in that context. Wonderful. Good place to meet a spouse in campus ministry. Very much so. What led you to write the, the first book, When Sinners Say I Do? Well, there was, there was a lot of fine material that was in circulation on marriage, and, um, but, but what I didn't find as readily available was material that was moving the, the, the married couple toward the gospel and moving the gospel toward the married couple. Mm-hmm. And and actually giving a sufficient place to the reality and impact of of sin, and so it seemed to move. In, a lot of marriage material seemed to move immediately into into you know just c- communication, friendship techniques, uh, things like that, and and just skip right over the heart. And mm-hmm. so I was intrigued by. I knew that that was what had helped my marriage the most. And in people that I talked to, met with, counseled with, I think that's where real transformation took place was when the gospel was being applied in marriage. And so uh, I would say that that would be one thing. And the second thing, um, one of the ways that I know I'm supposed to write on something or that I feel, let me put it this way, the invitation of the spirit of God to write on something is that a message will have a disproportionate effect over a period of time on people. Mm-hmm. You know, my, typically I'm preaching messages, you know, they have a normal effect, which is who, who knows what the spirit of God is doing. But occasionally there have been messages that have a disproportionate effect. And when that continues, mm-hmm. I begin to think, I wonder if the spirit of God is calling me. So I did a message in like 95 called when sinners say I do that I had people, you know, that would come up to me for years later, just say, Hey, I remember that message or I heard it or I listened to the, 
the back then with cassette tape. I listened to the tape, and and uh, so in the mid two thousand five, two thousand six, I began thinking, yeah, you know, I should probably write on this. Interesting. So, um, I think I found. I was looking back over this last night, and and saw you said. Um, I, lo- I love this line. It may sound too earth-shattering at first, but based on Scripture and everything I've learned about pastoring in the last 21 years, I assure you that this truth can rock your world. Here it is. And this is, this is you saying what the, the point is of why you wrote this book, right? Um, here it is. What we believe about God determines the quality of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest shocks for, for the Christian is to discover what marriage is not. So it's it's not first an arrangement to service my needs. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's not first just a companionship option that God came up with to keep me from being lonely. It's not merely a connection that gives my life meaning and significance. That that the Bible has has a more, far more radical message than that and that is that, that marriage is way bigger than me. Marriage is, is way more than me. And uh, when, it, when I say that, I, it takes me back to Ephesians 5, where, where Paul is talking and says, Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother, he'll hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So he's quoting there from Genesis. And then he, he adds this kind of commentary. He says, This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So what we what we derive from that is that in the ultimate sense marriage comes to us from God as a picture or a parable of Christ's love for the church. It's it's a gospel illustration that's embedded in the culture to tell the world something about God's love and specifically about Christ's love for for, for the people that he died for. And so it's a sign that points to a greater reality. It's not simply about us. You know, like growing up in Pittsburgh, there was this amusement park called, called Kennywood. And all around Pittsburgh are these Kennywood signs, and they're just like signs that point toward Kennywood. And uh, I remember thinking about this. Yeah, you know, like, like the signs were not the reality. It's not like somebody would go and sit under a sign and feel like they're experiencing Kennywood. It, they pointed to this other reality. So marriage point is designed to point to another reality. It's designed to make a statement about Jesus Christ. And I think when believers get that, that, wait a minute, this this has a number of unintended benefits to me, and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful it does. But man, ultimately, I'm being swept up in something that's eternal here in my marriage. When they begin to get that, it can be pretty inspirational. Fantastic. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, just the way that you describe it was kind of exciting. It was kind of giving me like that extra bump in my chest. Like, hey, he's right. That's a good reminder. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share with your friends. Thanks. The music is by Canon and is used with permission. This podcast is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2021.